This morning, we are looking at honoring your father and mother. Exodus 20, verse 12, you can follow along. along. I'll have the verses on the screen, but of course, it's in the uh, Elam Christian Center app for you to follow along if you want to as well. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, a teenage boy got his driver's license. Any teenagers have their driver's licenses? A couple. Legends. Story goes that a teenager got his driver's license and he went to his dad because the boy had the license, not the car. Classic, right? He says, Dad, could I use the car to go on some drives? And the dad thought this is an opportunity to strike up a deal. He said, all right, son, here's the deal. If you bring your grades up from a C to a B average, if you study the Bible and cut your hair, then we'll talk about using the car. Well, the boy thought on it for a few moments, decided it sounds like a pretty good deal, and they shook hands to agree. Well, about six weeks later, the dad says to the boy, hey, I know that you've lifted your grades up to a B average, and I see you've been studying your Bible, but I'm disappointed that you haven't gone and got a haircut and got rid of the dirty mullet. To which the young boy responds, Dad, I've been thinking about that. And as I've been studying the Bible, I've noticed uh, that Moses had long hair. John the Baptist had long hair. Samson had long hair. In fact, there's strong evidence to suggest, Dad, that even Jesus may have had long hair, to which the father responds, yes. And did you notice how he walked everywhere? (laughs) That's funnier than you laughed. I thought that was quite good. We've been working our way through the Ten Commandments. We've been working our way from the bottom to the top on purpose, but naturally they read from the top to the bottom. And you'll notice that the first uh, several up there are about our relationship with God, and we're going to get to those in the weeks ahead. But isn't it interesting that the first one as we make our way down when it comes to our relationship with people is all about our parents. Now, I would have thought that not murdering or not committing adultery would have been more pressing issues. But the fifth commandment down, which is the first one in our relationship with people about parents, clearly demonstrates that God considers the family unit a significant part of the foundation of our society. You know, families are under attack like never before. Our media portrays families as dysfunctional messes. Have you noticed that? It's like incompetent dads that don't have a clue and mums that have all the power and authority. There's like no partnership. There's no working together. Just jealousy, mistrust, suspicion, and unruly kids. There seems to be this fight going on to pull apart families according to God's design. And families are finding it more and more difficult as time goes on to raise godly kids in a world that is bombarded by so many worldly influences. I remember and recall back to Darcy and I's youth pastor days, so many occasions we would have parents in our office at their wits end, sometimes crying their eyes out, appealing to us in our early to mid-twenties saying, help. And I'm like, I don't even have kids. I don't know how to help you. And they they would say things like, can you please help my son listen to my instructions? I'm like, I can try. They're like, can you make my son do his homework and get off the PlayStation? I remember hearing these pleas for help thinking, I think you might have lost sight of what my role is in all of this. They needed to be reminded that they were the parent, not the kid's best friend that they needed a parent who would love them by caring for them, nurturing them, protecting them, and disciplining them. You hear that, teenagers? The parent's role is not to be your mate. The parent's role is actually to pass on valuable lessons from one generation to another. You know, God thinks about the family generationally. I love that without planning that, God has moved through our worship leaders. I think uh, Lee was responsible for making the selection on songs this morning, and we sang the blessing about how God blesses the generations. It is so true. You know, It is actually really Western world of us to parent in silos. 
Have you noticed that sort of like the way of our society? We, it's my family and our ways and our rules, and no one else can speak into my kid's life. It's, it's very in, in silos, but in, in historical biblical times, when they received this commandment, they very much lived out that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It, it wasn't it takes a village to support a parent, but actually the whole generation carried a responsibility for that raising process. You know, these days it seems like you can't even really look at someone's kids, but at the time this commandment was received, that parent-child relationship existed between aunties and uncles, grandparents, the neighbor's parents, the butcher down the road, and the mailman. It was a collective generational responsibility. Those who were older treated all kids as if they were their own kids, and the children treated all of their elders with honor and respect as if they were their own parents. I think we've lost a lot of the value that that approach brings to the way that our parenting and families are set up today. It's not only parents that hand on valuable life lessons, it's the whole generation that holds that responsibility. I remember when I was 16, I got kicked out of home and I went to live with my friend and his parents. I'll tell you more about that later. But there I was, and, and my whole friend group decided we were going to go to Northland for a New Year's trip. We were pumped. We planned the trip. Now, I decided I was going to hang back an extra day from everyone else so I could go and sit my restricted license and drive myself up to Northland in my little turbo starlet GT. It was mean. Um, I was pumped because petrol was only like $1.20 a litre, and it was the glory for a, you know, a young person to have freedom to drive their own car. So I hung back that. I went and sat my license. I passed my restricted. And I remember going home, and I was living at my friend's house, and, and my friend's mum, Louise, as I got home and picked my bag, she's like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I got my license. I'm heading on up to Northland. So I packed my bag. She says, you're not going. It's too dangerous. I'm like, therefore left. Like, how am I meant to get there? I remember freaking out. I'm like, no, I have my license. I'm allowed to drive my own car. And she made the executive parent call. No, I know you've got your license, but it's too far to go. Man, this was hard. This was hard because inside I'm thinking, you're not my real mom. But I knew that wouldn't land well. She was from Zimbabwe. They kind of like South Africans. And, I'm, you know, I'm crazy but not stupid. Like I wasn't going to go there on that one. She had been so gracious as to welcome me into her house. And I knew in that parent, she held that mother-like figure, that authority in my life. And even though I disagreed, it wasn't like on a values or moral standard. It was difficult, but I knew that I had to obey. I'm going to read it to you one more time. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know what's really cool about this commandment? It's the very first one that comes with it, a promise, right? Don't murder, just don't. Don't kill people. Don't have anger in your heart towards a brother or sister because that's subject to judgment just like murdering someone is. Don't commit adultery. Be faithful, no exceptions. But when it comes to this, honor your father and mother. And if you do, you're going to be blessed with a long life in the land the Lord our God has given us. You know, the historical theologian John Calvin, when reflecting on this commandment to honor our earthly mother and father, he notes the sacred origin of the earthly father. He connects the honoring of our earthly father with that of the honor that is due to God. He concludes that the duty of honor does not depend on whether that particular father is worthy or not. He does, though, acknowledge that some fathers are outright wicked and says that there is no excuse for sin in the name of honoring a parent. In other words, God is on, worthy of our honor simply because he's God. It doesn't matter if we think he's done good or not done good. The fact that he is God means he is worthy of honor. And in a similar but limited way, regardless of whether we think our parents are worthy of honor or not, whether they've done good or not, because that parenting derives itself from God's fathering over us, 
then they are worthy of honor as well. They have been um, qualified on the basis that they're our parents. However, John Calvin is really quick to clarify that um, there is a boundary to this, that to excuse sin in the name of honoring our parents just won't stand. If our parents request of us to engage in illegal activity, then we can't justify our obedience to that and say, well, I'm just honoring my parents. Now, there's probably three different groups of people in the room today. The first group, you might say that I've got a really good relationship with my parents. I just want to know how to honor them so that I can be obedient to God's commandment over my life. The second group, you might say that your relationship with your parents is okay, like it's all right. Certainly not strong, though. You have your challenges and disagreements. Sometimes you butt heads a little bit, but there's a mutual respect. You often agree to disagree, and you can both live that way. And then the third group is that there is very little or no relationship at all. And in fact, it's the last relationship you want to think about. It's damaged. It's broken. It's marked by hurt and offense. And if you're to be honest, you've already planned out a life that doesn't include them in it. Whatever group you fall into today, or maybe you're a fourth group, God's commandment and instruction on all of us is exactly the same. We must honor our parents. You might say, but Frosty, you don't understand. And to which I would say, I I think I do. I I think I do understand. I understand the potential disappointment, the hurt, the feeling of abandonment, the frustration, and the very real conclusion that life is simply easier not thinking about this. I get it. Some of you know a little of my story um, and the challenge that I faced with my parents growing up throughout my life. There is no part of my life that I can think of that excludes the tainted nature of my relationship with my parents, particularly with my mom. In every good moment, bad moment, in every celebration and milestone lingering in the background and sometimes in the foreground is this incredibly abusive, broken, manipulative, and just straight sad bond between me and my mom. In fact, between my mum and all of my siblings. See, I grew up in a household with many siblings, five, six at different times, um, all from different dads. And we grew up in that house with my mum and her long-term boyfriend. And while I do remember some support in the way of, you know, support on the sideline of the rugby field and, and presence at prize giving and things like that, life at home was very different from the way that God intended it. Me and my siblings would be physically hit often and without control. We were regularly told that she wished she was in prison because it would be far easier and better for her there than dealing with us. We were often kicked out of the house different times of the day and the night, finding ourselves having to go to school with our school uniform or with half of our school uniform only to get in trouble with school for not having our school uniform. <laughs> Talk about getting kicked while you're down. Constantly bombarded by hurt, blame, and offense. Me and my siblings each at different times took our opportunity to get out of there at the age of 16 or 17 at different times as we approached that age, just to go to anywhere else that would take us. And while I had a good relationship with my dad before he passed away in 2009, he split up with my mum when I was two, and we only spent the occasional weekend with him. But as life goes, that got fewer and further between as time went on. Now, it wouldn't be hard for you to believe that developing within this little boy's heart was a resentment towards his mum. And if you had told me back then that I was to honor my mom, it would have literally sounded like the most absurd thing you could have possibly suggested. I would have defended it saying, no, 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 no. Honor and respect isn't given, it's earned. I would have said that, I would have defended it rather saying, what is it that my mom is worthy to be honored for? And you may have a similar story to me. 
I hope you don't. You may have a worse story than me. And there may be parts of my story that ring true for you. And as reasonable as Frosty's little defenses may sound, well, there's nothing worthy of honor that's actually not a biblical approach. And I've come to learn over the years that I've journeyed this and processed this that I've actually misunderstood what honor is. And yet honoring our parents is exactly what God expects of all of us, even if you've had an experience like mine. And for those that find this particularly difficult, I want to assure you that God isn't asking you to journey this alone. One of the words that describes the very nature of the Holy Spirit, God's presence, He is God with us here in this life, is the comforter. So by His very nature, God comforts us when we feel broken, and He comforts us when we step out into those difficult challenges. You know, for some, honoring your parents is is easy to do. You just want to know how to do it. And for others, it's currently unthinkable. This great journey of the Christian life is to walk hand in hand with God through our greatest challenges so that on the other side of them we find freedom, we find peace. It's like the weight is lifted and we get breakthrough in every step. I think like Peter being called out of the boat onto the water by Jesus. It's like for some people in the room, you know this is difficult and you know God's calling you out of the boat to step into the unknown, but in the back of your mind, you're like, I might drown if I do. Well, I actually believe today is the day that for some people in the room today, you take that first step out of the boat to trust in God. It's a step out of comfort into the uncomfortable, but it's a step that you know God is calling you to take. So let's pray for just a moment before we journey for the next few minutes and unpack what it actually means to honor our parents. Because God says, if we do that, it will go well with us and we'll live a long life here on the earth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your insight and your wisdom. And I just pray, God, as we unpack what it means to honor our parents, even for some in the room right now, it's like the heart is beating fast and deep and the mind is in turmoil and we feel uncomfortable. But I thank you, God, that perfect love casts out all fear, that your peaceful presence is with us. And I just pray that you soothe every heart as we journey through this, that transformation and restoration and forgiveness and freedom would come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in John Wesley's commentary of this commandment to honor our father and mother, he summarizes the actions that express honor. Right? He says there's five things that we need to do that express honor. I'll read them all to you, and they'll come up on the screen. It says inward esteem of them, outwardly expressed. So to hold esteem towards someone, but actually be willing to express it outwardly and say the words. Secondly, obedience to their lawful commands. Note the word lawful. That's important. Third, submission to their rebukes, instructions, and corrections. Fourth, acting with consideration. Not always doing it, but certainly considering. Consideration of parental advice, direction, and consent. And five, giving comfort and providing for their physical needs when aging. Now, for the sake of time this morning, I don't have time to go through all five of those. I'm going to summarize them even further down to just a couple of key action points we can take away and apply into our life. Is that cool? So how do we honor our parents? Firstly, we accept them. Firstly, we accept our parents. To esteem someone or something is to regard them highly or favorably. Remember that your parents are no longer the superheroes that you thought they were when you were a child. You have come to learn that they are just people that carry their own insecurities, hurts, challenges, and pain. And yet despite their shortcomings, there are parts of who they are that are praiseworthy and can be held in high regard. For some of you, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to search far. For some of you, you're like, I'm going to have to dig deep. And you may have to, but there are certainly parts of your parents' life that are worthy to be held in high regard. 
And to honor our parents is to actively search out what those things are while understanding that not all of them will be. You know, I'm absolutely obsessed with our little boy, Boston. He's 10 months old. Like, I'm, a, I'm a state. Like, I'm obsessed with that kid. Like, I miss him when he sleeps. Like, it's a breather. It's nice. And at the same time, it's been an hour. I'm like, I just want to hold him again. At the end of most nights, I'm flicking through my phone, looking at photos, turning to Darcy. Did you see that one? Like, how cute is this kid? I'm absolutely wound up, messed up over that little boy. And do you know that for pretty much everyone in the room, that's exactly how your parents looked at you in your early days. They just could not believe the goodness of God. They couldn't believe how cute they were. And they were so obsessed and biased, they, they were convinced you were the cutest kid on the planet. And yet your parents are also people who were bullied in school. They've journeyed through grief and loss. They've probably had their heart broken and their trust shattered. They've walked through extreme disappointment and sometimes betrayal. They may have even been parented in really unhealthy ways. And a time comes in every mature Christian heart where while we don't accept that bad behavior towards us, we do come to accept that the people who are our parents are the people that God has given us to honor. And it's true that over time, lives can drift apart and connections can grow weaker. But to show genuine appreciation, even if small, brings warmth to even the most closed off heart. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. See, if honoring our parents and the relationship we have with them is synonymous with honoring God and the relationship we have with him, then we are to freely give grace and love just as freely as we have received it. I love how Stephen Covey said this. He says, We judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their behavior. Have you noticed that? That when we mess up, when our actions are wrong, we defend, but my intention was good. I didn't mean for it to go bad. I had good intentions. But then when we look at other people, we don't care what their intentions are. We just care about the behavior. Yeah, but you said that, and you did that, and you didn't turn up, or you did this thing to me that caused a lot of hurt, to which they might say, it's not my intention, but we often don't care. I love this quote because it's so eye-opening to the way that we view grace. We are always gracious towards our own approach. We judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by their actions. And I just wonder, and my prayer has been, that as we reflect on the love and the grace that we have received from God, like we don't deserve to be in His presence. We don't deserve to be in His love. We don't deserve to be forgiven, and yet He extends that to us. Man, how life-changing is that? That we would in turn, upon reflecting on that, perhaps try to turn and offer the same love and grace to our parents. We have to accept them. Secondly, we have to appreciate them. Uh, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15 from verse 1 to 9. It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked Jesus, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions? For they ignore the tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. That's serious. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you because I vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In the same way, you say you don't need to honor your parents. And so, when you do this, he says, you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. 
See, the Pharisees and the scribes, they would get together to discuss the important commandments. And this passage gives us a glimpse into a moment just like that, where Jesus is in a discussion between with these Pharisees and these scribes about the really important rules and the not so important rules. The Pharisees and the scribes challenge Jesus because his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat a kebab. But you notice how Jesus doesn't even respond to that. He doesn't even entertain the surface level idea, but he goes straight to the heart issue as Jesus often does. All of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about how they're not honoring their parents, how they're not taking care of them. This passage again highlights that God places value on the family unit. They had lost sight of the fact that God wants us to care for the generations. Jesus was saying that the family was the core of the society, and they're worried about washing their hands before a meal. He's like, why are you coming to me challenging me on this little thing when you can't even get a main thing right, like looking after your parents? You know, often we look at this commandment, and our mind naturally goes to kids and teenagers. Yeah, that's right. You better obey and honor your parents, my house, my rules. But we go there and we forget that this is not strictly for kids and, and teenagers. In fact, Jesus wasn't talking to children at all. He was talking to adults. He was talking to teachers of the law. We don't outgrow this commandment. There is never a point in our life where we should stop honoring our parents. Now, according to Jewish custom, it was said that when something was Corban, it meant it was offered to God and therefore couldn't be used for anything or anyone else, including somebody's parents. And Jesus is saying they've gone wrong because remember, they're like, we've given everything to our parents and so to God rather, so we can't give it to our parents. And Jesus is like, what are you up to? He's like, that's ridiculous. That's not what was asked of you. He says that... God requires us to give to him, but it, refreshingly enough, God doesn't request all of our finances, all of our resources, just a portion. And he says, use the rest to draw upon that to honor and care for the needs of your parents as they age. It is part of our Christian duty to care for our parents' physical needs should they need that. You know, after my dad suddenly passed away in 2009, we obviously had to deal with the estate and the funeral arrangements and after the lawyer's fees and dealing with everything, it got dragged out a few years. There wasn't much left over, to be honest. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of siblings. And my dad's partner, she had obviously just lost my dad. Traumatic experience for everyone. And we felt for her. And we just decided as a family that even though she wasn't our real mum and, and the money that was left probably could have been split between everyone, we just decided it would all go to her. Uh, she was in a troubled time. And we just knew that was the right thing to do. So we did that. But none of the rest of us had any money, which is fine, but we had to pay for the funeral. And so um, we had to set up a payment plan and uh, organize that. And I have a very disconnected family, and I was the one in charge of organizing it. Praise God. And so I tried. I did my best. Some of my siblings weren't willing to pay the $10 a week payment over several years to pay for the funeral. And some were. And those that were, we all pitched in, and we took that upon ourselves. Now, it sounds like a good plan, except it wasn't long before some of my siblings stopped paying like for a few months at a time and yet the bills would still come. And although my dad had now passed away, I remember determining that this was a way I could honor him and I just covered those payments myself. Now it wasn't a whole lot of money, but I know that my dad would have been pleased to know that the financial burden of his funeral didn't bring even more division among his kids. It was like one of those small gentle gestures that I could make to honor my dad even after his passing. First Timothy 5, 4 to 5, 1 to 4. 
says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Remember what we spoke about earlier. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And so the question for each of us is, as our parents age, you might not have access to a lot. It may be just a little, but what can I do to help meet the physical needs of my parents? Because this pleases God and it's part of the way that we can honor them. We accept them. We appreciate them. Thirdly and finally, we forgive them. It's probably the hardest one, isn't it? Last week, we spoke about anger in the heart towards those that have wronged, humiliated, hurt, or neglected us. And our response to that invites each of us to engage in the hardest decision a human being can possibly make, forgiveness. To actually forgive someone who has wronged us. And to forgive our parents means releasing the debt we feel they owe us because of what they've said, done, not said, or not done. Keys, you can join me. You know, maybe you feel like you're owed an apology. And you know what? You probably are owed an apology. Maybe you feel like something needs to be put right. It's like saying to your parents, there's no settled account between us. I'm free from it. You're free from it. It's gone. It's done. It's behind us. I'm moving on. Now, listen, forgiveness is not saying that what happened was okay. It's not saying what they did was okay. It's not encouraging it, supporting it, or even accepting the behavior. It's simply declaring in your heart that it will no longer have a hold on your life and it will no longer create a wedge between the two of you. You don't have to become best buddies. You don't have to include them back into your life or your children's life. But that resentment, that anger, that pain, the very thing that for some in this room is already right now weighing on you, it's robbing you of the best that God has for you, and it doesn't have to stay. You can actually surrender that to God, forgive your parents, and move on. You know, it can sometimes be easy to look at someone else who's acting poorly, and we, in our discernment, we can see the pain that they're acting out of. We see someone lash out. We see a single parent at the supermarket with like five kids, and they're just struggling, and they snap at their kids, and it's not because they're a bad parent. They're just in the thick of it. And we can look at the struggles and the insecurities and the pain that people act out of. And as we observe that, for most of us, there's a level where we can extend some grace. We can extend some love. But I've, I've noticed and I've experienced that this is a lot harder to even see and to do when it's much closer to home. It's a lot harder to look upon someone like that and extend that grace and that forgiveness and that mercy and that love when it's our own parents. You might say, how could mum and dad abandon me like they did? How could my very own dad speak those negative words over my life? How could my parents cut me out and exclude me like that? How could my very own mother be so, so hurtful towards me? Of all the people in the whole world that should have treated you right, man, it can be so hard to accept that the ones who didn't are your very own parents. They were meant to be there. 
they were meant to be on your side. And they weren't. You know, it is only by the grace of God that I've been able to journey through that myself. And I'm certainly on the other side of that now, but to come to a place where I actually hold absolutely zero anger and resentment towards my mom. It is by the power of God and His power alone that I've been able to convert all of my anger, all of my resentment, disappointment and hurt into genuine compassion and mercy towards my mom. I haven't gotten it all right, but I've completely and utterly forgiven her of every single thing. I genuinely want good for her. I want breakthrough in her life. There are parts of my mom's life that could be honored and held in high esteem, but I first needed a healing in my heart before I could even see those things. You know, I can honor my mom and dad simply because God makes no mistake. And He chose to insert me into that family under that parenting. And that's not to say that God ordered or or ordained the abuse, but simply that God gives authority and people choose to use that authority however they choose. Sometimes it's used for good, and in my case, it was used for bad. But the fact remains that my parents were appointed to me by God, and so I'm just going to thank God for His sovereign view, His sovereign plan over my whole life, even though I don't understand all of the details. And I need you to know that the same could be said for you. The healing process starts with forgiveness. And forgiveness starts with surrendering it to God. You know, when they seem so unworthy, the greatest response of love is to forgive. If you're a believer in the room, I know not everybody is, but if you are, you've experienced the level of this with the grace of God. While we were still sinners, Christ came for us. When we were unworthy, undeserving, hadn't earned a thing, God extended to us grace, love, forgiveness, peace, life, salvation. To honor our parents is to accept them, appreciate them, and forgive them. And you know you've forgiven them when you genuinely want good for them. You want to see them win and flourish in life.